0: Rumble 2014 was the very last time we saw CM Punk in a WWE ring and this feels very poignant at the moment because finally we can answer the question, well will he ever return to wrestling? As it turned out the answer was yes but it would be in an AEW ring. So the whole saga has been nicely tied up in a small little package, but what a wild ride it was. And if you would like more of my opinions on CM Punk leaving WWE, you can go and watch 2011 Money in the Bank retro ups and downs where we talk about it. But the headline is essentially, the man had been burned out. I think we can see now too that he is still super duper passionate about professional wrestling. But when you are injured and when you're not being given any time off to heal those injuries, and when multiple opportunities are being taken away from you, and when really, when you think about it, you're not being utilized in the way you should, well, I would be a little bit pissed off too. I can see why anybody would get to the end of their tether because of that. And if you do go look at Punk from this period and compare it to how he looks in 2021, it's like night and day, even though, of course, in the interim, he has aged seven years because he is still a human being. He is going to get older. He's not an alien. The other big story in January 2014 was that Big Dave Batista was returning to WWE. And look, let's just be honest. Let's just call a spade a spade. Everybody loves Big Dave Batista, apart from that one dude on Reddit who's all like, he went away to do movies. I don't want him to come back. However, he is a smart guy when it comes to pro wrestling. So when he was having his talk with Vince McMahon on the phone, he was like, look, you know, I've kind of looked at the situation. I know about Daniel Bryan. I should come back as a bad guy. And I assume Vince McMahon's response to that was, ha. (laughs) Don't be crazy, pal. You're going to come back as the biggest babyface the world has ever seen. (laughs) That didn't work at all. Because Batista has talked about this in many interviews after the fact, about how he knew what would happen if we did walk this path, but nobody listened to him. And then, yes, he returned to WWE and he got called... That's right, Boutista, because he was getting booed so much and then it trains to Blue Teaster just because he wore some blue pants and that's when you know it's not going well. You get called Blue because you were wearing some briefs and then you go and get all of the grief. (laughs) That rhymes. And do not let history pretend otherwise, Batista was a gigantic man who genuinely did get better year in year out and he continually proved people wrong. Go back and watch his awesome moment from WrestleMania 21. You know what it will do all together. Make you feel warm and fuzzy in your dumb, dumb Otherwise, any report from this time is basically saying, well, WWE isn't really satisfying the fans right now. So they're going to shows and kind of taking over. But thankfully, over the last seven years, that didn't continue. And it never happened again. If only totally we had just put Daniel Bryan in the Royal Rumble, eh? But of course, we will talk about that. Although before we do get there, I just want to remind you that around this time too, Daniel Bryan put out a tweet saying, Hey man, I can't put myself in the Rumble. The machine was holding me down. Now, of course, he was able to do that because it did tie into the narrative. But you know what he was doing. And it's another reason why we all love Daniel Bryan. Anywho, in front of 12,000 Pittsburgh fans, the home of Britt Baker, it is indeed the Raw Rumble 2014. And it's also the last ever time we saw Punk in World Wrestling Entertainment. Let's up those doubts. 2014 was great, wasn't it? Because the first match is Daniel Bryan versus Bray Wyatt. And the best thing about this is that when you realize where they are today or where they're about to be today in 2021, what I'm trying to say is they're probably gonna end up in all elite wrestling fashion. You had gone back in time and you had told somebody that then. They would have spat on your face because they would have thought you were trying to curse them with some voodoo. It's also the height of the yes movement, which is so damn infectious. Even I was on my couch going, yes, yes, yes. And I caught myself in the mirror and I realized, man, Simon, you really are a massive geek and a massive loser. So I went and ate a bunch of cake. This was all off the back too of Brian being in the Wyatt family for all of Second Seconds before WWE realized what they were doing. Or at least the fans made them realize, so they took them out again. But what a great way this was to kick off a pay-per-view. Daniel Bryan is one of the greatest professional wrestlers ever. I don't care what you have to say about it. And we all know about Bray Wyatt and characterization. These two really did click. Seeing what I guess we would have to describe as old school Bray Wyatt as well is just so hard these days. Because one, you know what's right around the corner, but also two, which is far worse, is that Luke Harper is there and I still will never be able to get my head around what happened to that poor, poor man. It was a proper wrestling tragedy. You know what that means. I forgot how awesome the Eater of Worlds persona was as well, because Bray Wyatt is just shouting a bunch of stuff at the start here and coming across like a proper loon. And Daniel Bryan just understands what he has to do in order to make me feel like he's in peril. I'm like, oh man, he's being beaten up so much. Somebody please help him. But he doesn't actually need any assistance because then he fires up and he's doing all these hope spots, and you start to believe, like I already. already said, and I will say again, one of the best wrestlers ever. The fans are just so into this as well, it'll make you giggle because you just hear yes, yes, yes the entire time. And then JBL tries to ruin all of this by saying, oh man, this crowd is like a fat kid in front of a pizza buffet. Lots of us like pizza John Bradshaw Layfield. It doesn't all mean that we're overweight and rotund. It's a very poignant moment when the rest of the announced team start talking about all of Daniel Bryan's concussions and that will make you more because you know what the future holds. But it's not like these two guys could give a flub. Bray Wyatt is doing sentence onto the floor and Daniel Flippin' Bryan is doing Frankensteiners off the top rope. The finish is really cool too because Bryan goes for one final tope, Bray Wyatt catches him and Sister Abigail's his head right into the barricade once again you're like daniel you don't know what's around the corner would you stop he then rolls him back in he gives him another sister abigail one two three and then i did start laughing because the fans they so mad they just want daniel bryan to win but they never gonna get it thankfully in a few months it was gonna turn out all right but nobody knew that back in january 2014 these flubbing idiots still thought the undertaker was never going to be beaten at wrestlemania i mean what a pile of rubbish course is getting up paul heyman is then being interviewed because he's all like oh man the winner of the next match is going to come on to be the number one contender what else do i need to tell you is paul heyman cunning a promo it was pretty damn brilliant i did totally forget who he was talking about though because obviously i was like well brock lesnar has to be on this show it's a pretty big year for brock lesnar but i can't remember what he does at the royal rumble 2014 and as it turned out it was taking on the big show Why hasn't this remained in my brain? Especially because it's just one big murder fest. As soon as Brock gets in there, he gets a chair and just smashes the absolute shit out of Big Show. And by the time the referee rings the bell, the giant's all like, oh man, I can't go on, I can't go on. And he is able to punch Brock in the face. That's like trying to hit a wall and the wall going, no bro, I ain't gonna do nothing. So Brock gives him the F5 and from bell to bell, I think this went two minutes. So don't you come in here and tell me that WWE didn't have massive plans for Brock Lesnar during this 12 month period and then flub me sideways the aftermath. He goes back to the chair and he wallops Big Show so many times that he goes through two of them. But also if you are going to go watch the Raw in 2014, keep an eye on the Big Show's face. He's not happy about this. Clearly when he was told the plan, he was like, I don't want to do it. Well, because that's just what he says. I think at one point he also accidentally swears. The crowd is also deadly silent throughout all of this because it is like watching a child, a mammoth child, get told off by their dad in public and you don't really think you should be looking at it. I mean, it's almost like they had a major match for Brock Lesnar and they wanted to make sure he came across like a beast. That's why I kind of enjoyed this. It's so different when you have the power of hindsight and you go back and watch it. Up. And then laughed. I can't help it. I'm an absolute buffoon. But the Shield were here, of course. And they were about to take over the wrestling business, as we know today. But they refused to tell each other their Raw Rumble entry number, even though they had agreed that they're going to fight everybody else and get to the final three. So this was a bit like, well, I don't want to give away my secrets because you may drink my Fanta. And then someone else like Seth Rollins as well. I don't want to give away my secrets because you may steal my Super Nintendo. always had a quick chat with Randy Orton, who was being interviewed by Renee Young. And I always forget that one too. I kind of feel like she was only in WWE for a few years, but that's complete flubber nonsense. She was there for ages. This was all about how Randy didn't really care how many people were gunning for his WWE championship, including Bray Wyatt, who he called a crazy guy that's obsessed with a rocking chair. Now he did deliver this very well, but you kind of think that maybe, just maybe, more people should have been intimidated by Bray Wyatt, and he wouldn't have had to transform himself into a mask-wearing serial killer. But what do I know, though? Right? Everyone says that. What do you know, Simon? You bald idiot? I completely agree with you. This was also to underline the fact that we were going into our first singles. Match main event between John Cena and Randy Orton. And the issue with this is that by January 2014, John Cena and Randy Orton had fought, I think, approximately 12,982 times. I mean, it honestly had become as common as breathing. So you went, and on the TV would be Cena and Orton. You go get some food, and then on the TV, you'd have Cena and Orton, it was just Cena and Orton, Cena and Orton, Cena and Orton. So of course, eventually you were gonna get to the law of diminishing returns, and bada bing, bada boom, it happened on this evening. And look, I get it, WWE had to try and promote this and build it up, otherwise they weren't doing their job. But after about five minutes, everyone just shuts up and starts pondering life. and Then they got pissed off. Because at that juncture, everybody starts to boo. And when they're done booing, they start to chant Daniel Bryan. And while this was obviously awesome on one side, on the other, it was terrible, because I am 99% sure this just pissed off management. And they looked around the locker room and thought, hmm, well, who can we take it out on? Oh, I know, we'll take it out on Daniel Bryan. Remember what I said about the fans and management falling out? Here is evidence part one. From here, it is just constant jeers to the point that once more, you're starting to feel uncomfortable. And if you had told anybody here that in seven years time, John Cena was gonna return as the all-conquering hero and not get one boo, I'm pretty sure they would've booted you right in the balls because it's essentially an insult. This is how much they hate him in January 2014. By the end, it's gotten so bad, you just start laughing because you cannot believe how much everybody helps Big Match John. And then at exactly the right time, it gets better because John Cena goes to apply the STF off Randy Orton, and before he's even locked it in, Randy Orton tapped out. I don't know what this was. I have no idea what was going on, but ultimately it didn't matter because the referee had been bumped, so this was all for sure. It's a bit like when you go to the dentist and you just go, ah, before the dentist even put anything in your mouth because you're just so scared. And by the time that Randy Orton had smashed John Cena in the head with the WWE title, well, you would not believe the scene unless you go and watch it for yourself. The only word I can come up with to describe this is pure and utter rage. This is where Randy Orton loses it and decides he can't be doing with it anymore because you can see it all over his face. I'm sure if he could, he would have started flipping everybody up. But thankfully, WWE actually had an ace up their sleeve for this one. And the ending, well, I think it's really good. Because just as John Cena begins to run wild and start his big comeback, the lights went out. But when they come back on, the Wyatt family is in the ring and they start to absolutely whip his ass and just like that the crowd turns and they can't believe what they're seeing. This was the opening Randy needed as well to hit the RKO, get the victory and retain his WWE title but that was barely the story here because as soon as they can Bray Wyatt and the rest of the Wyatt family start to beat up John Cena. They give him the sister Abigail as somewhat ironically the crowd chants yes. It's an awesome way to kick off this feud though. The only real shame is that we were going to get to WrestleMania 30 and Bray Wyatt wasn't going to win. But I already knew the outcome watching this so it didn't bother me at all. So while you do have like 15 minutes of absolute nonsense, the last five where they'll get a couple of thumbs and when things get a couple of thumbs, you also get it up. Which brings us to the Royal Rumble itself and in terms of CM Punk if you have listened to his infamous podcast with Colt Cabana you know what was going on here and just to add to the Big Show and Randy Orton you can throw CM Punk in the oh my gosh you can see it on his face. Because honestly, you can really see it on his face. And sure, yes, maybe I'm just seeing what I want to see. But look, he had been put through the ringer. And I think given what he has said in 2021 and what he said in the years in between, this was a man whose mental health was just at the bottom of the barrel. And remember, and I mean it from the bottom of my tootsie toes, nothing is more important than your mental well-being and nothing is more important than your mental health. And let's not pretend that in 2014, WWE wasn't relying on Punk a little bit as well. He comes out as one of the first two guys here because they know all the facts will love it and they know he can carry the thing and this is doubly true when the other person in this opening couple is Seth Rollins that was a clash that people wanted to see. Never forget too that when the SHIELD were put together the original plan was that they were going to back up Punk although WWE had gone to see him and said we want to put Daniel Bryan in the big show with you which would have been the strangest faction of all time he said no let's go get some new guys I want Seth Rollins I want Dean Ambrose and I want Chris Hero. Of course, Roman Reigns got slotted into that, and then they never ended up doing anything with Punk, but that genuinely was the plan. Cody Rhodes is also in early, and of course, that's a trip for its own reasons, as I'm sure you well know. <laughs> Kane. game comes out and this is the corporate version of the big red machine so he has to wear trousers or slacks but I tell you I love this man. I love this man so much. He is having a ball with it and it just made me chuckle away. As he does come to the ring it also looks a bit like somebody is late for the office like oh my gosh I'm gonna to get told off by my boss and do you know what else the 2014 Royal Rumble is responsible for or at least something that we should shout from the rooftops? it's the debut on the main roster of Rusev. So once again, we were having AEW crazy vibes here, at least I was, and this is so early in his WWE run, he is still being called Alexander, For a brief moment, I was like, who the hell is? Oh yeah, it's him. It also brings us to another cool story from that Colt Cabana CM Punk podcast, because he admitted on that thing, when he went to talk to Rusev about what he was going to do, Rusev was all, as I would be, oh, I don't know you're CM Punk. He was like, no, nobody else is gonna protect your ass. You need to protect your own. And my word, how true is that? Make sure you do a cool move for me. And then you watch the Rumble, and Rusev gives him a Samoan drop. You're like, man, I can see all the cogs working. I feel like I'm part of the club. The likes of Jimmy Uso, Goldust, and Kofi Kingston, who continues to defy the aging process, then start to make up the numbers because we needed a lot of people to tip Rusev out of there so he could be protected. You remember the one, oh, he's so big, he's gonna win the Rumble. Well, no, he's not, just 84 people are gonna come together and go, foop, on the floor you go. This is also where we get our Kofi Kingston spot for the Rumble when he used to do crazy athletic things, but actually it makes no sense because rusev catches him when he is going to be eliminated and he just walks to the end of the rampway or whatever and he smashes him into the barricade and then he just leaves him there why would you do this why wouldn't you take his feet and go now you're out of the thing but he doesn't and he just leaves this of course is great though because it allows kofi to go all the way down the barricade and then jump back into the squared circle which is just a ridiculous feat all on its own. When I was trying to get other people's opinions, the internet is so dumb. Someone like, I didn't think it was that good. Oh yeah? You probably can't even get out of bed in the morning. Maybe you should put some respect on Kofi Kix's name. Dean Ambrose is soon in this as well. We've already talked about it, so I'm not going to talk about it again before we get our first surprise, that is Diesel. (laughs) And look, everyone goes nuts for this. It's a really great surprise. Kevin Nash is always going to get a good pop. I liked it. It also signals the arrival of Roman Reigns and my word, what an experience this really is. Because no one is booing, no one is jeering, nobody hates the big dog here at all. And in fact, as he starts to eliminate people, They think, oh, wow, this guy's really cool. He's got lovely hair. Maybe, just maybe, I should start supporting him. And if WWE had just continued on this trend, maybe it would have been fine. But no, a few months later, they were gone. Why don't we turn Roman into John Cena? And it would all go so bad. Well, you know the story. Suffering, Suckerdash. He's on fire as well because he gets rid of Kingston, Dolph Ziggler and Diesel. And once more, the fans are like, well, we're fine with that. And you also get this cool story when Goldoss accidentally knocks out Cody Rhodes and at this juncture we were like oh my gosh they're going to have their big Wrestlemania match and they didn't and in many ways, this is a sliding doors moment because it left Cody leaving the company and helps dying AEW. Honestly, this Royal Rumble is absolutely nuts. El Torito is somewhat of a surprise as well, and he even gets rid of Fandango. But do you know who eliminates him? That's right, it's Roman Reigns. He picks him up and just launches him over the top rope and he goes falling into the dancer. And nobody cares about this, even though it's a bigger man trying to kill a littler man. And if this just isn't yet more proof that we totally screwed Roman Reigns up, well I don't know what is. We then get to our last story of the evening and it's the one we talked about in the intro because we then do get our walk alone, we'll do machine gun hands and everybody just starts to boo Dave Bautista. And I felt so sorry for him. I turned to his mother here, I just wanted to grab him and go Dave it will be alright. We'll somehow make this work because he knew deep down he had told everybody this was going to happen and nobody had listened and now he had to deal with this noise. It also soon becomes quite obvious he's going to win the thing and then and that turns the fans even more, but nothing, and I mean nothing, will ever be as nuts as what happened when we got to number 30. Most people know this tale as well, but just in case that isn't the case, everyone had decided in the arena, well, number 30 must be Daniel Bryan, hence why he was in the first match, and WWE wouldn't be as stupid as to not put Daniel Bryan in the Royal Rumble. Number 30 plays, out comes Rey Mysterio, one of the best baby faces ever, and for the first time probably in his entire career, He had 12,000 people going, piece of crap, not because he was Rey Mysterio, but simply because he wasn't Daniel Bryan. Great work, WWE. It's also very apt because the opening words in Rey Mysterio's entrance music are booyaka booyaka, so just take the first syllable there and you'll understand what was going on. And this was just so ridiculous on so many levels, it has to get its very own down. How did WWE not know? We do then go into another cool point because Dean Ambrose tries to throw Roman Reigns out of there, which of course wasn't part of the plan. But all this was leading to Roman chucking out Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins and Cesaro simultaneously. And I know I sound like a broken record, but did anybody care about this? Not particularly, maybe a little more than the other things they've done. But Roman Reigns here, he definitely is the heir apparent. eh? We've already talked about it. This would also be 11 eliminations for our tribal chief, which would equal Kane's record. And speaking of Kane, he had basically spent the whole time doing paperwork on the outside or something. And he gets back in. And he throws out CM Punk, which is the worst thing the WWE could have done. Because the fans then go, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're not getting Daniel Bryan. So we pivoted to CM Punk and now we're not getting CM Punk. I mean, they may as well have got matches and just set the place ablaze. They were so, so pissed off. CM Punk wasn't a massive fan of this either. As again, he has talked about the fact he didn't really want to do a program with Kane just because he had done a thousand programs with Kane. And you can start to see why creatively he wasn't very satisfied. It was a death nail too because they now realise 100% Batista is going to win this. Which is when they did make Roman Reigns their new king and their new saver. They go absolutely crazy for this man. When WWE does their usual oh my gosh he's going to win it thing. Ultimately he doesn't, Batista throws him out and he has this Dan on the top rope. Do that stupid point of the WrestleMania sign as everyone just go boo boo you suck, we hate the that you came back. It's horrible. It is just absolutely horrible to watch. Because it is so unfair and it is the wrestling system breaking and it's getting it down. Apparently off air too, Dave would start flipping off the fans. I don't blame him. He must have felt mortified inside. But I will say this. The appearance and the performance of CM Punk. All the Kofi Kingston stuff. The surprise with Diesel and the nice little story with the shield. It does deserve a small up. So I am going to give it a small up, whatever that means. But otherwise, if you ever want to watch the Raw Rubber 2014, just don't it is not worth it. I mean, it's essentially when WWE did start a war with their own fan base. Although overall, if you do take the Raw Rumble out of it, which is a dumb thing to say, you do get a bunch of good matches. So I will give it up, but honestly. Absolute disaster. And I will leave you with Dave Meltzer's star ratings so you do get a second opinion. He gave Brian versus Bray four stars, you bet your ass. Brock versus The Big Show got one and a quarter stars, but it was more of an angle than a match. Orton versus Cena got three and a quarter stars, and he gave the Raw Rumble three and a quarter stars. And I do understand this. that most Royal Rumbles by WWE are very good, it's just all the connotations and the fact it breaks at the end. I really was laughing. It was really, really funny. Also, not funny at all.